0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence this morning. We thank you that you are here. Um, you've already started some work. We thank you for your word, and I pray for the entrance of your word this morning. May your word change us. May your word transform us. We pray for the renewal of our minds that comes through learning new things this morning. Holy Spirit of God, we are welcome, and we, you're welcome, and we are open to you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning, church. Are we ready to hear the word? Yes. Are you now calm? Are you settled in your spirit, man? Yes. Praise the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I was conducting a session in Tembisa. We run some workshops in the high schools in Tembisa. At the moment, it's three of them, and uh, at one of the schools, we're going to be dealing with a topic uh, on honesty. Um, It was going to be a very interesting session. Uh, and to kickstart the conversation, I asked the guys a question. And this is how I framed the question. These are high school students uh, from grade nine up to matric. And I said to them, if tomorrow was going to be your wedding day, what is the top quality you would want your spouse to leave most? If tomorrow was going to be your wedding day, what is that quality that is at the top of the list that you'd say, I really hope, this lady or this man will leave it out mostly as we live together as husband and wife. It was kind of a tricky question because I was asking this question to matriculants, to grade nines, and I wasn't quite sure what was going to come out of them. To my surprise, the guys had very high expectations of their spouses. Some of them said, I would want him to be faithful. I want him to be honest, trustworthy, fun to be around, understanding, I want him to be caring, and that blew my mind, because this was coming from grade 8, and it just told me something, that it doesn't matter how young you are, you are able to identify what is good, yes. you know what makes a great person great, and you also know what makes person ugly, in terms of their upbringing, in terms of how they live out their lives. Now today I want to ask you the same question What would be your answer If someone would come to you and say You've been married for so long What is that great quality You would want your wife or your husband To live out most Or maybe you're dating And one day you're, you're looking forward to getting married some of, some of you here in a couple of weeks time You'll be tying the knot what is that quality at the back of your mind that says, I really hope to will be like this for as long as possible, if you are Nina, <laughs> What would be that quality that you'd want to see in your spouse? I bet most of us here, because we are believers, would probably come up with the same, more or less the same answers as these high school students. But do you know that there are people out there in the world who would not say yes to marriage because the guy doesn't drive? They'll say, I'm not gonna get married to you as long as you're using two series. (laughs) Some out there will say, as long as you don't have a house of your own, I will not get married to you. Some will say to you, as long as you're not a business person, I will not get married to you. Some men will say, as long as you don't have long nails, that are well polished, I won't get married to you. Some will say if you don't have flowing hair that you can shake after bathing, I won't get married to you. What would be your reason for not getting married today? Now you're wondering, where is this man going? I'm going somewhere this morning. Do you know that when it comes to the church, the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ, yeah. and Christ as the bridegroom. The moment you see Christ as the bridegroom, it changes the whole context of the relationship. The moment you understand that as a church, you are the bride of Christ, it changes the way you do things. Because you see, when you're engaged to somebody, it changes your behavior around the opposite sex. Do you get me this morning? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23 says, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body and the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, he's talking about the relationship between Christ and the church. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. But it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. This is my question this morning. When Jesus comes to us, and presents himself as a bridegroom, what reasons do we have to say yes to his proposal? Bear in mind of the context of the relationship we are talking about, we are getting espoused to Jesus Christ, we are engaged, and at the end of time, the wedding will take place where everything else will be finished. But the Bible refers to the church as a bride, and Jesus Christ as a bridegroom why should we say yes to jesus christ and this brings me to the topic of of our message this morning his nature compels us to say yes to him so i want to talk to you this morning about the nature of the bridegroom that we are engaged to you see if you do not understand the nature of jesus christ you will not say yes to him hallelujah if you do not understand and appreciate what God wants to do in your life, you will not easily say yes to him. And when Jesus comes into your life and he makes a proposition of making you his own, because you do not understand him, you will liken him to any other relationship you've been in before. And that will determine whether you say yes to him or no. Sometimes you say yes to Jesus but just by your mouth, but your heart is not saying yes to Jesus. Now this morning, why should you say yes to this bridegroom? You see, the yes I'm talking about is twofold. The first portion of this yes brings you to a place of salvation. Because unless you say yes to Jesus, there is no other way that will take you to God. Unless you accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you cannot meet God. The Bible says there's only one name given unto men, that by it they might be saved, and that name is Jesus. And this morning I want to ask you a question. Have you said yes to the Lord? Are you born again today? Do you know if you have a relationship with Jesus? If something happens to you today and you are hit by a car out there, will you meet up with the Lord in the afterlife? That is a very important question for you to answer. You might have said yes on the mouth, but your heart did not actually say yes because when I look at the way we live, it's surely, it's a no. Did we say yes to Jesus? You see, unless you have a revelation of the lover that stands before you, you will say no to him. Revelation chapter 3 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus has been knocking on somebody's door for so long, but that somebody has not opened the door. You see, Jesus will not violate anyone. He will not force himself into your life. That is why he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's making an appeal to you today and say, if you can open that door, I'll come in and I'll dine with you and you with me. Did you say yes to Jesus? Are you born again today? This sounds very, very... Elementally, but that's the starting point. Yeah. Unless you say yes to Jesus, your life is not complete. Sometimes we think these messages should only be preached in a crusade out there. But I believe in the church, we need to come to a place where we put priority where it should go. And that is a place of saying yes to the Lord Jesus. Have you given your life to Jesus today? Have you been coming to church and yet you have not said yes? Yes to this lover. The second yes brings you to a place where your heart remains open to him and to his love. You see, when life happens, you can come to a place where you resent God. When you've been knocked by life for a long, long time, if you are not careful, you can come to a place where you take offense over Jesus. Jesus. It is possible for you to come to church, and yet you are bitter in your heart of hearts. It is possible for you to lift your hands in the air, and yet in your heart of hearts, you are angry with God. Where are you this morning? The Bible talks about John the Baptist. John was a cousin of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. John was the one who heralded the coming of the Messiah. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of men." So John knew exactly who Jesus was. But there was a time when John was incarcerated by Herod the king. And John was put in prison. and, And he knew his life was at risk. He was expecting his cousin Jesus to come and take him out of prison or even to visit him and to encourage him. But Jesus did none of that. Jesus did not do what John was expecting him to do. And then John was very, very offended by Jesus because when he was in prison, he said, wait a moment, is this the Messiah that we were waiting for or there's another one that is coming? In the moment of offense, John doubted the real Jesus. Have you been there where Jesus did not do what you expected him? And in that moment, you, are, you doubted his integrity. You doubted his character. And then John sent his disciples and says, please, go and check out if this Jesus is for real. So John's disciples went to Jesus And they propose and they say, say, this is what John is saying. But instead of Jesus addressing John directly, he simply said to his disciples, see, the blind eyes are being opened, the dead are being raised, the sick are being healed. And then he comes to this point, Matthew chapter 11 verse 6. Then Jesus says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not tripped on my account, have you been tripped by Jesus because he did not do what you wanted him to do? He did not dance to your children. He did not heal you when you wanted to be healed. He did not give you money when you needed money. This morning, I want you to understand that what makes Jesus, Jesus, is not what he do, he does, but it is who he is. Because, you see, when we determine who Jesus is based on what he does, then we will miss it at some point. Because he's not always going to do what you want him to do. Because he is God. Hallelujah. Are we together this morning? So this is my question. Are you saying yes to Jesus? Irrespective of what has happened in your life. How do you know that you're not saying yes to Jesus anymore? You see, when your heart becomes insensitive to the divine voice and divine correction, you've taken offense over Jesus. When your heart has become insensitive to divine correction, you've taken offense over Jesus. All of a sudden, you become very sensitive whenever stuff is said that has to do with your life. You say, how dare you talk to me like that? we come to church, but the word of God doesn't excite us anymore. Could it be you've taken offense on Jesus? Could it be you're no longer saying yes to to this Jesus? The truth is no longer making an impression in our hearts. We hear the truth, but the truth doesn't change us. We keep on going the way we've been going. Could it be you're saying no to the master? Let us go to our our main text this morning. Because I want to share with you the nature of the bridegroom that has been after you. Because if you don't understand his nature, you'll misunderstand everything that he does in your life and through you. Because do not, you need to understand that he created you and he is a porter and you are the clay and he does what he wants with the clay. Unless you understand the nature of the porter, you will have problems when he shapes you in a certain way. And then you say, How did you make me like this? I wanted to look like that, but he puts you in a different shape. Do we understand the nature of the bridegroom? Let's go to John chapter 4 from verse 1. So I'm talking about the nature of Jesus that compels us to say yes to him. Because if we do not comprehend his nature, we'll miss him in the process. You see, Jesus is very interested in you knowing him personally. When you go to Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said to them, who do people say I am the disciples gave so many answers they say some say you are Elijah the prophet some say you are this and that and then at some point Jesus says I've heard what other people are saying but who do you say I am you see our walk with Jesus is a personal affair it's not something that we can do in a group yes there's a corporate issue we deal with but it starts with the one It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. And this morning, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say the bridegroom is in your life? Do we see him as a blesser, as a sugar daddy somewhere out there, just coming to fulfill our lustful desires? Is there an ATM machine where we go and just punch in our numbers and spews out some money? How do we view Jesus? Because the way you view Jesus determines how much you benefit from Jesus. Hallelujah. Is it cold this morning? No, No, it's not, right? So let's warm up. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So John chapter 4 from verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I'll give you living water. But say, you don't have a rope or a a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please say, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Interesting point. So, go and get your husband. Jesus told him, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right, you don't have a husband. This is like frank conversations right here. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So Jesus was affirming here that at least you have told me the truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Now, this is a very interesting story. Now, when you look at the geographical location of Galilee, Judea, and Samaria, it was very interesting. It was like Pretoria. Centurion and Midrand. So when people would travel from Pretoria, they would avoid to go through Centurion on their way to Midrand. So the story here is, people from Judea wanting to go through to Galilee. Judea is Pretoria, Galilee is Midrand, and Samaria is Centurion. But people would avoid to go through Samaria. Because there was something wrong with Samaria in their minds. Traditionally, people were against the Samaritans and the city of Samaria. Why? It was because they saw them as unclean people, a mixed breed, they were unclean, in other words, not holy. And because of that, they detested Samaria. They detested Centurion, to a point where they were saying, "No, we will not drive through Samaria." We will not go past that place. We would rather go through a place called Pyria that would take them long around Samaria and get into Galilee on the northern part of, of the city or of the area. They avoided Samaria because it was considered dirty, unclean, and unacceptable in their lives. But there's a very good statement here where the Bible says, but Jesus had to go through Samaria. I find that very interesting. He had no business to go through Samaria because of where he was coming from. Everybody was against Samaria, but Jesus, the Bible says he had to go through Samaria. This morning, the first nature that I want you to to hold on to is that Jesus is in pursuit of your life. The bridegroom we are talking about pursues those whom he wants to deal with. He will never be stopped by circumstances or by the way people view you. But because he loves you so much, he will pursue you until he gets you. Hallelujah. You see, when you talk about that word to pursue, there's a place in the Bible where the, the word of God says, Surely his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Following has a connotation of pursuit. And pursuing, it is a picture of a person who is armed pursuing his enemy. Now, when Jesus talks about pursuing you and I, he's pursuing you full of love, tender mercy, and care for you and I. When you don't understand why Jesus has been on on your feet and pursuing you, you will not accept him. The Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? In his heart of hearts, there was this woman. There was this woman he wanted to meet up with and bring salvation to your life. This morning, I want you to understand that despite risking his life to be rejected by the Samaritans, Jesus still went through Samaria. You see, when Jesus comes into our lives, there's no guarantee that we'll accept him. That is why the Bible says in John, he went to his own, but his own rejected him. But still Jesus came down. Do you know that even if it was just for you, Jesus would still come? Even if it was just for one of us, Jesus would still come. That is the kind of love that we are talking about. How do we reject somebody who is pursuing us, filled with so much love, and we're shining away from him? So Jesus pursues us irrespective of what we have done in our lives. This morning I've got good news for you. It doesn't matter how long you have gone. There are so many people who have rejected themselves before being rejected by by people around them. Now you've done the stuff that has happened in your life. And you've disqualified yourself because you think when you come to Jesus, he will not take you back. Now this morning I want you to understand that He is still pursuing you even when you are down. You see, the moment you understand that no matter how down I've gone, Jesus is still in pursuit of me, it will change your view of what God looks like. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, "Come and let us reason together." Isaiah one eighteen. Come, let us reason together. So there is an invitation, irrespective of where we are. Jesus is saying, come, let's talk about this issue. Come, let us reason together. Even though your sins are as red as scarlet, I will make them to be as white as snow. Even though they're as red as crimson, I will make them as white as as wool. This is the love I'm talking about. This is the bridegroom I'm talking about who says, it's not me who is rejecting you. You are rejecting yourself. If we have the revelation of the nature of Christ, we will not stop short of coming back to him. Hallelujah. I want you to know that he pursues us relentlessly. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. Verse nine. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord are searching the whole earth. You see, when you're searching, it's almost like you're looking for something that is hidden somewhere. It means that God is busy hunting for you and I. We've been hiding behind certain things. And he says, do not hide. I am here, and I want to strengthen you. If we have an appreciation of this nature of the Lord Jesus, we'll be able to come back. He says, the eyes of the Lord are searching looking for those who are committed to him so that he shows himself strong on their behalf. You see, his love for you and I brought him to the cross. And this is the gospel. And what is the gospel? This is the good news. This good news continues coming into our lives. Even when you say we are born again, if you are not open to that good news, you live a bitter life, and yet the good news remains even for you when you are born again. The good news is, if you repent, He is faithful; He will forgive you, no matter how much you have sinned. He says, "I will separate you as far from your sins as far as His east is from west." That revelation will liberate us; it will improve our quality with God. Praise the Lord. When you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6, the Bible says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. You know that we did not go into heaven asking for Christ to come. No. This was a heavenly made decision. The father looked down and said, it is time. We need to get back our sons and daughters. And he sent his only son in the form of a man. We did not request for Jesus to come down. But he came down in his own accord. Though he risked to be rejected, he was rejected. And yet he still died, hoping that at some point their eyes would be open to see the glorious king. Hallelujah. Verse 7 says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps, there might be a chance to be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I find that liberating. Because God in his love, In his nature of being pursuing and being pursued of his people, he says it doesn't matter, though they are still in their sins, I will come down and die for them. You see, God is not waiting for you to change, to come into your life. He will still come when there's mess in your life. Because it is him who cleans you up. He's not expecting you to clean yourself up. No, none of us can clean ourselves up. We need to be open to this bridegroom who is able to clean us up. That is why Jesus comes. But are we saying yes to him? This is the question this morning. Are we saying yes to this king of glory who is coming irrespective of how dirty our hands would look? You see, we look at ourselves and we say, I'm so filthy that Christ cannot accept me. But when you say yes to him, he will come and tidy us up. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Somebody to get this revelation today We've been on the run for a long time Because we think that Jesus Cannot deal with my issues You see you might have Encountered people and believers In your life who have discounted you And have disqualified you And you're taking Jesus in the same light He is not like you and me The Bible says I'm not a man that I should lie Neither am I a son that I should repent Have I saved it? Shall I not do it? We need this revelation today as a church. It will improve our walk with the Lord. We'll be able to come back every single night and say, Lord, I messed up today. Have mercy on me. There was a place where Jesus walked into a city and a man who had advanced leprosy, the Bible says his leprosy was advanced. And this man said to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me whole. It was not because Jesus could not heal him. But he was appealing to the Lord. And the Lord says, I am willing. But are are you willing? Are you in a position to receive my love for you? And Jesus says, I am willing. Be healed. Go and show yourself forth to the Pharisees and the priests. Why are we running away from this lover who is saying, I'm pursuing you with all the love that you need. We have what we need, but we've not been able to appropriate it because our mind says... Hey, this thing is struggling. With my God. Alright. So what I'm trying to say this morning is when we have a revelation of who Jesus is, it doesn't matter even if i finish off my message with this today there is a revelation that we need to have of christ you see you will agree with me after we have messed up in the week we don't feel like coming to church yeah, yeah. we don't feel like meeting up with brothers on a wednesday for the God group because we feel like they will judge us we feel like they will not accept us and that View that we have of brothers, we project it on God. And because we have messed up, we won't pray that night because we don't feel clean enough. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what that can be? Can be pride. Yes. That is pride. Yes. But when you understand that he is stronger than my weaknesses, yeah. he is stronger than my flaws. So I don't have to pretend to be strong. Last yesterday we had a very good meeting with, with, with men in our church. And we're talking about biblical manhood and we're saying as men we need to come to a place of being vulnerable you see we've got to be vulnerable with God where we can come to him and cry our blues our problem is we cry our blues with our wives and our husbands who can really do nothing much about our situation and yet God says you haven't spoken to me about this If you look at verse 5 of John chapter 4 The Bible says eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar Near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph Jacob's well was there And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime Now Jesus had just walked 40 kilometers from Judea to Samaria and the Bible says he was very, very tired and he was weary. And Jesus was tired from the long walk. I don't know what this means for you. But what it means to me is he was human. He was not made out of steel. He was not an angel walking down on earth in the disguise of a man. He was a real man. The Bible says, "Wearily and tired he sat on that well. You were like, I am... I wish I could just get a horse. He was tired of just playing something in my mind. Because he was, I mean, if you are carrying your, your, your groceries from the shop, right, walking to your apartment, you wish, Lord, I wish somebody could just stop by and give me a gift, right? Now think about Jesus. He's human like you and me, sitting on that place, like, I still need to do another case, Lord. Maybe the horse could just come and carry me. Jesus was human, and for me, this is so liberating. All of a sudden, something goes on in my mind and in my spirit. I say, wait a moment. He is God, yet he understands human nature. Hallelujah. The Bible says Jesus was very tired. I want you to understand that one of the greatest needs in any relationship is to be understood. I want my wife to understand where I come from. To understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. If she does not understand. There could be an issue. Where we'll like all night. Talking about the issue. Because I feel I'm not being understood. That's the greatest need of human relationship. Cindy you agree with me. You want to be understood. You see they don't understand me. But this morning I want you to know. That Jesus the bridegroom gets you. Glory be to God. He knows you. He understands your frailty. He understands your depravity. He understands your weakness. Then why pretend? If you know that Jesus understands what happened last night, why pretend as if nothing happened last night? Are you feeling me this morning? So the second issue and the nature that I want to grasp this morning is he understands human nature. And guess what? Human nature is very complex. They are great today, they love you, they clap hands for you, and tomorrow they say, kill him. That's the nature of humanity. When that happens to you, Jesus understands exactly how you feel inside.
1: They applaud you and
0: say, the men in our church, the women in our church are great. Ooh, Pastor Tracy, we love your mothering. We love this. We say that today. Tomorrow she tells you, sit down. Sorry, we need to deal with this. How dare you tell me to sit down? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to the mothering issue? Yeah. Can I get there? Yeah. We are lovey daffy when everything is fine. Yeah. But when the rabbi hits the road, we vote with our feet and we are out of the church. Sorry, I'm leaving soon to so. Victoria <laughs> East. But even when <laughs> you come there, you'll get the same thing. <laughs> I even mean, here, yeah, you still get the same thing. Amen. But what am I saying here? Jesus understands how carnal we are, He understands that because He walked through this earth, The Bible says he was tested, yet without sin. He was tempted, yet without sin. So when you are tempted, he knows exactly what you're going through. Guess what, how he was introduced to his ministry, Matthew chapter 4. The Bible says when he came out of the river Jordan, the Spirit of the Lord led him into the desert. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he was praying and fasting. And towards the end of that time, the enemy came and said, God, change these stones into bread. And guess what Jesus said? It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but upon every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Hallelujah. So Jesus understands when you are tempted. All of us are tempted. The problem is when we yield to temptation, which brings us to sin. And when sin comes and it's fully matured, death comes. So, All I'm saying here is that Jesus understands you. He gets you. He's never surprised. You see, there's nothing that you bring before Jesus that will shock you. Wait a moment. How can you say that? How did that happen? Where were you? Where were the pastors? No, he's not surprised. You see, the Bible says, even before we make requests, he knows already what we are about to ask. Which also means whenever we go through stuff Even before we go through the stuff He knows exactly what you're going to th- go through He understands Hebrews 2.16 we, we also know that the Son Did not come to help angels That's very powerful We also know that the sun did not come to help angels
1: Are there angels here? If there are
0: angels you don't qualify to be here In terms of physically speaking Like sitting here I'm not an angel. I do have angels around me that help me, that that does the beating of the word. That's a different dimension I'm talking about. But I'm saying here, we are not perfect beings. None of us are perfect. The Bible says here, he did not come to help angels, but he came to help the descendants of Abraham, meaning that flesh and blood issues. You and I. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in, the, in the every respect like us. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. So the man who is in pursuit, the one who is after you, understands you. Hebrews 4.15 This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly, This is where it really matters most. The moment you have a revelation of his nature that he understands you and I, you are bold enough to rise up from the dust and say, I'll go to my father. It doesn't matter what I've done, he loves me. You know the story of the prodigal son? I'm not gonna read it because of time. But the the issue of the prodigal son, yes, the son came back to his senses. But when he went back to the father, something key happened. Because the Bible says when he was still afar off, his father saw that that's my son. He did not wait for the son to come and kneel down and beg for forgiveness. No. The Bible says the father ran to his son and embraced him. And says the one who was dead has been found. He called his people. He put a cloak over his son. He gave him a ring. They celebrated. That is what I'm talking about. He understands you. That when you come back, instead of giving you one, two, three claps, he hugs you. He laughs on you. and says, welcome back, son. When you have that revelation, there will be no need for us to be sulking when we feel like I'm not being understood by men. The Father understands you. Glory be to God. I'll finish next week this issue of the nature of Christ. The nature that compels us to say yes. That is why the Bible says, perfect love cuts out all fear. When you know that you're loved, you're the beloved of God, you don't have to pretend. You'll be fine the way you are. And I want you to know, you are fine the way you are. The one who can save you knows how to deal with you. Glory be to God. When men put you in a corner, unfortunately they can't really do much about it. But the one who can do something about your situation just cannot wait to pick you up. Glory be to God. Can you sense the love of the Father in this place? Sit it like that. I want you to just bow your head down briefly and just Meditate meditate on these two natures that we've talked about. The one that says he pursues us. (coughs) The one that says no matter how down I've gone there is no pit that is too deep that he cannot reach. He loves you so much. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't give up. We do well if we don't live up on ourselves. Because he does not. He won't let go until he gets you back home. And this morning, I want you to understand that. Can that be a revelation in your spirit man right now? In the name of Jesus. Have a revelation that you're the beloved. You're the beloved of God. People might have rejected you. They might have denied you. They might have betrayed you. But when you come to Jesus, he will not turn his back on you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Just talk to him briefly if you can. Just about where you are right now. Just just say to the Lord, I open myself to you. I open myself to you. I open myself to you, Lord. I open my family to you, Lord. I open my heart to you. I open everything, Lord. I choose to be vulnerable. I choose to be an open book. Lord, if you can read into my heart, search my heart, Lord. I thank you that there's no condemnation in you, Lord. I thank you that I can come just as I am, Lord. You are not looking for me to be perfect, but Lord, you are looking for a son who says, Father, I have come back. And so, Lord, I'm coming back, Lord just as I am today. With our heads bowed down, I want to give you an opportunity, firstly to that person who says, I haven't given my life to Jesus. You're saying, I've been dodging, I've been pretending to be a child of God, but really I did not say yes to this lover because I did not not trust him. I did not understand what he wanted to do with me. But today I realize that He he knows me. If you're here, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you. If you're here, you're saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a child of God. I'll pray with you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Or maybe your heart was closed to Maybe you were doing church out of routine. You were doing things out of external, but the heart was far away. The Bible talks about it. It says, you worship me with your mouth, but your hearts are far away from me. Are you there today and you're saying, Lord, I want to make a recommitment. I want to walk with you. I want to say yes to you. I want to be open to your love. nature lord your nature is so massive multifaceted we can never comprehend all of it but we thank you for what you revealed to us and so today as your people go to church to to their homes and in the week we pray that this revelation of who you are lord will become clearer and clearer in the name of jesus